1: Today, we look ahead to one of the most major milestones of our lives when we graduate into retirement. Now, here's our valedictorian and certified financial planner practitioner, Eric Brotman, your host of Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. Get ready for inspiration and actionable advice to guide you towards a seamless transition into a dignified
0: retirement where you get to make your dreams a reality. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. This is Eric Brotman, your host, and we're recording episode eight of our first season of the new show, and today, I'm excited to have Damian Lupo join us. He's the host of Transformation Nation, the author of Unicornonomics, which I'm excited to talk about, and also Black Belt Wealth. Uh, Damian, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Eric. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dig into this stuff.
0: Well, listen, the first thing that I, that I saw about you, I, I watched some of your video online, which was excellent. And, and we'll, we'll make sure that in our show notes that uh, we let people know how to get in touch with you. I also saw one of the things is that you hate the word retirement which makes you a perfect guest for our show because the word retirement is, um, I, I think, completely uh, misused and uh, misdirects a lot of people. So why don't you uh, first tell us uh, a little bit about you and then we'll dig into that in, in greater detail.
2: Well, I'm, I'm a I'm a serial entrepreneur. I, I got thrown out of college uh, multiple times for starting businesses and I just never really fit with the, the traditional path of go to school, get good grades, get a job, do a thing and, and then retire with a a gold watch. Like I, I didn't even get past the the whole uh, graduating part or even really getting very far into it. And it's, it's just because I, I try to find problems and then solve them. And I can't really sit inside of a system that's broken and, and deal with it. I think, our system is it kind of teaches us to do that. But for me, it never really worked. And I kept breaking the system wide open trying to fix problems. And it's, it's great for an entrepreneur. It's terrible for anybody that's going into a traditional system to have the mindset that I do because you basically get um, pushed out of it.
0: Well, it sounds like you found your calling early and hopefully it means you didn't borrow a lot of money to do it and to, and to figure that out when you were in school.
2: Well, yeah, that's that's one of the lucky things. I think that's a, it's a good point. Um, unfortunately, right now, I think a lot of people are getting locked down. And I was I was with my trainer yesterday, and he was talking about his student loans. And he, he, I'm at the gym, and and this guy's training me. He's got two hundred thousand dollars in student loans, and I'm just shaking my head, going, "You're literally in financial shackles. There's bondage around this whole system." And I I had I think fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in in student loans. That's nothing. That's like a semester's worth, and that's a small semester anymore. So I'm very fortunate that I didn't lock myself down with a mortgage before I even had a house, which is what most people are doing, unfortunately.
0: Well, and, and student loans, which uh, you know we, we've talked about on this show, and I've talked about in a lot of the writing that I do. I, I, I think student loans are the next major financial crisis facing our country because uh, <laughs> yeah, it's but, a bubble yeah. just like real estate, and there's no collateral
2: there's no collateral and there's no way out because you can't bankrupt out of them. So you could have hundreds of thousands. I have friends that are doctors and, and they have three, four, five hundred thousand four, $500,000. I have a couple friends that are couples, both doctors, and there's a half a million dollars. And they basically are looking at that going, yeah, we're going to have these things till we're dead. And it's, it's truly modern day. It's, it's indentured servitude in a weird way. And, and, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. And people go into that that whole system by default thinking this is how we do it because school's so expensive and so there's no other way and we need that education which I fundamentally disagree with in order to have a life of, of value or, or prosperity and it's, it's just it's a misnomer but people are sort of told to do that and then they don't really know what to do differently because at 18 or 19 how much do you really know you think you know a lot but you really don't know anything and, and you're making decisions that are going to be uh, shackling you for decades.
0: Well, yeah, making making a two hundred thousand dollar financial decision before you're legally allowed to have your first Budweiser seems a little bit misinformed. I I would agree. So let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about your trajectory, because as a serial entrepreneur, that means you've had some wins and it also means you've had some losses, because like you as an entrepreneur, we've taken it on the chin before, especially in 2008. Uh, and I saw that you're, you're, you've gotten very involved with, uh, with the real estate business. And, I, and I, I specifically saw your runway talk, which I thought was great, which, w- which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, I guess tell me about, uh, about some of that trajectory over the last two decades or so
2: one of the things about being an entrepreneur is that you only have to get it right one time. I've had more than, I think, either 45 or 46 companies that I've started, launched, run, and the majority of those have not ended well or they were shut down or they were not profitable, right? I spent more money than I made. And it's an interesting thing. If you're not an entrepreneur, you have to get everything right because it kind of has to all line up and end in a moment of, hey, it worked and I have a big pile of cash. But as an entrepreneur, you just have to get one thing right at some point and and so the the biggest fundamental difference with an entrepreneur that has dozens of companies is they're not afraid of mistakes. In fact, not just being not afraid, it's it's about embracing them. I look for the mistakes because that's where the growth is. And you'll find any entrepreneur has a mindset of making mistakes and seeing them as a good thing, whereas the majority of the population and what we're taught is don't make mistakes because that's wrong it makes you a failure. Failing is how you how you grow, it's how you succeed. it's it's how you create a life that's worth living, because otherwise you're just living in fear. So that's that's been my path with with real estate. I mean, I've I've lost many many millions. In fact, my fortune in real estate I built up to 20 million, and then went from 20 million down to negative 5 million in 12 months, and that was that was a roller coaster and it was crazy. Most people would cringe thinking about that, and yet it didn't kill me. It's just I, I learned a ton and, and came back from that, recreated the wealth. And that's, that's the whole idea here is, is that it's actually a good thing to to do things wrong, to make mistakes, to lose money, to, and, and I think a lot of people miss their opportunity in life because they, they are mistakes, and I've just been really good at doing those really fast.
0: So we like to reframe retirement on our show as a graduation, something to move toward, something to be excited about, something to launch the next phase of your life rather than this disappearing act or this retreat from life. Um, tell me why you hate retirement, or the word retirement? Well, it, I guess it,
2: the the word retirement really it co- goes back hundred years to when when farm animals and machinery were worn out. If a farm animal was done, you took them out in the back of the field and you shot them, or you know machinery you buried because it was worn out. We 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 start thinking about retiring people, and then we say you're done. You know, go off into the into the after the horizon or you know the sunset, and you're done. And what happens is it's basically a death sentence for most people. When they think of retirement, they stop working, they stop contributing and the average person ends up dead in less than 3 years when they retire in the United States. So to me that's a death sentence because the universe looks at you and says you're not contributing, therefore you're taking up space and resources. And I love what you're talking about in this this message of graduating into something else. I tried retiring in my 20s and it I sat there and I played golf and I I basically drank too much and and I just there is no point. And that's the problem. We, we need a purpose. Purpose is the core piece for every human being. And when most people retire, they lose their purpose, which means they lose their reason for living. And so I don't believe in the idea of retiring in the traditional sense. I think that what you're talking about is a great way to take decades of experience and then use that wisdom and start sharing it, creating, teaching, doing things that matter so that you never stop until you're done.
0: Well, that, and that—that's certainly what we're trying to what we're trying to coach our listeners and our clients and our our you know friends and colleagues to do, simply because the idea of disappearing and retreating sounds so terrible. And I, I think if you don't have a reason to get out of bed every morning, you do stop getting out of bed every morning. Uh, it makes no sense to to linger like that.
2: that. That that's it. I mean, we have to have a purpose. We have to have a reason. Sometimes people think, well, I'm just going to hang out with my grandkids, and I think that there's there's some purpose there. But the problem is you're really not you're you're kind of fading and and there's there's um your your brain is fading. like there's literally things that are falling apart. it's it's entropy. You have to put energy into things or they 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 disassociate and they and they break down. And when we stop doing the juice, it's, people oftentimes don't know what to do after they stop working. they because they had so much energy and so much they, they were, there was there's so much value to being in a workplace where they were doing something that where they develop skills and relationships. And it's very, I think it's actually very dangerous, the, the idea of retiring. I think people need to really reconsider retiring or shifting instead and, and graduating into something that's even, even bigger, even more powerful or purposeful. And it doesn't mean it's, it's super driven. I think sometimes people go, well, I'm just tired. You know, I don't want to do it as intensely. There are a lot of things you can do that are purpose-based without having to kill yourself in the process like we do in our 20s and 30s oftentimes.
0: Well, and, and if we're financially independent – and we aren't shackled the way you described it so eloquently. If, if we're financially independent, then we can choose whether the things we do in that quote unquote retired stage are for profit or not. But to be engaged may not require income.
2: That, that's exactly right, and and that's one of the biggest problems I see with people when there's a focus on building up a big pile of cash. They're not really developing any sense of confidence around creating wealth. It's all about decades of storing and saving, which you can't recreate when you're fifty five or sixty. You don't have another thirty years. So there's never really a freedom, and there's there's oftentimes a fear with people saying, gosh i I, I can't afford to make a mistake, so they're not really f- uh, they're not really free. A lot of times people come to me and they have two, three, four, five million dollars. And they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to lose it, and they don't have any skills. So part of the part of the process is getting to the point where you quote unquote retire and you graduate, and you've actually got the financial intelligence, not just the professional skills, but the financial literacy, so that you're not worried that if you make a mistake or you maybe lost your money, you wouldn't be able to create it. And that's a big problem that most people don't. They don't have those skills. They're not. We're not taught those things. We have to go elsewhere outside of school and. Probably our, our local uh, community and friends and family, because those those skills are kind of, they're, they're, they're nebulous, they're out there, and we have to go find them. Otherwise, we're never truly going to be free, regardless of the pile of cash.
0: Financial illiteracy is, um, is a serious issue, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because um, the formulas that, that you used in the, in the video on your, on your website, which I thought were great, and they're very simple. And, and as, a, as a CFP, I can, I can take issue with them a little bit, and maybe we'll have a little fun and challenge each other a little bit. But the, the point is that something even that simple isn't taught in school. And, and, and kids are making big financial decisions and often very, very big financial mistakes without really understanding not only what they're doing, but what they're doing to themselves long term. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about runway because I, I, I think it's brilliantly simple, and I, I think we can we can have a little fun and, and maybe stress test it a little bit if you're up for that.
2: Yeah, run, runway is, you're right. It's, it's a very simple concept that most people don't think about. Uh, and, and basically the idea is that you have a certain amount of life expense. And there's a certain amount of of money that you're going to need for that. Most of us are working. We're, we're punching a clock. We're doing something active, and so we can't stop. And and maybe we have saved up some money. So easiest example: if if your if your life costs fifty thousand dollars a year, and you've got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank or some stocks or something, you can literally stop working for two years. You've got two years of runway until you hit a, a road where you can't pay for anything. Like you're literally going to starve to death. So the idea is you have to figure out a way to make sure that that goes on forever. If that goes on forever, then you're truly free. The only way for that to go on forever is to have something that's producing cash, not just a pile of cash, because piles of cash can go away. And so producing cash is as simple as finding assets that have little cash babies, things like property, things like royalties. You know, I had a lot of rental property, and that's that's what produced my cash flow, which was great until my ego took over, because I had tens of thousands of dollars of cash flow a month, which gave me plenty of runway. Basically, it was more than I was spending, so I had unlimited runway, which meant I was truly free. The problem is, my when my ego took over, my expenses ultimately surpassed that, and, and I was never really, I undid the freedom, because I wasn't conscious and I went crazy. But the freedom piece is really a, f- a straightforward formula. Find assets to produce cash flow, because cash is not going to make you free, you know, unless you have like a hundred million bucks, I mean, truly you can burn cash and make stupid moves. but if you've got cash flow, every month you make a mistake, next month you're going to have more cash flow coming back. And so it's a really good reset for making mistakes. You're not worried that you're, you're going to make a mistake and, and it's going to trap you because all your cash is gone. So I like the idea of, of thinking about your freedom in terms of assets that are producing cash flow.
0: Yeah, I, I, people people spend their entire working lives talking about accumulation the the mountain chart the nest egg the how do we get from you know 1 million to two or three or five um, and then have no idea how to turn that into income whether that's uh, whether that's royalties or whether it's business or whether it's real estate or whether it's income producing uh, securities or other types of things converting it to income is so much more challenging um, as a skill set than just accumulating accumulating just a little math problem turning it into income and then figuring out how that's taxed and how it's perpetuated is a different skill set, and it's definitely not taught in schools.
2: It's not, and it takes time. I, one of the mistakes I see people making, and it makes me sad, is that they go out and they say, well, I want to figure out how. Somebody came to me years ago and, and said, I've got $50,000. And I said, okay. They said, my plan is I, I want to create $5,000 a month in income. And I said, okay, can be done. And, and she said, I want to do this in the next six months. And I said, you're literally going to have a $50,000 seminar, meaning you're going to lose all your money in this this aggressive uh plan, you're not giving yourself enough time. People don't want to do the work and give themselves enough time. In fact, they look at the work of financial literacy and financial training like a four-letter word, like it's a very bad thing. They don't want to do it. And people are looking for a hack. As much as I love Tim Ferriss, four hours is not going to be enough time for you to create financial independence and freedom. You've got to invest. And it, it takes, on average, I would say people, it's going to take you three to five years to get to the point where you've got the intelligence if you're investing time on a regular basis. If, you, if you're not willing to invest five years into that process, you may as well just go and hope and pray and, and look for a pension with the government because it does take time and it is possible for anybody if you'll give it the time.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because historically, not only was retirement a way to put people out to pasture, but it was also uh, illustrated by the three-legged stool. Did you ever learn that, that pile of manure <laughs> called the three-legged stool? Yeah. That,
2: that, that great great strategy back back in the day in theory, you know, is but it's yeah, not well, apply. people still have it in their head.
0: Right. Well and, and the idea of the three legged stool for those who haven't heard this hogwash was that it, it that, that there'd be a pension which would cover most of your most of your income, and then there'd be social security on top of that, and you really only needed to put away enough money to close the gap of about ten percent of your lifestyle. That if, if there's ever been a recipe for virtually guaranteed failure, it's that one, yes?
2: I think that that's true. And even if even if you're sitting here listening and going, well, I have a pension. I have a, a client of mine that has a $15,000 a month pension from the state of California because he's in law enforcement. I've never even seen anything like that. And I said, that's great, except most of the pension systems are bankrupt. So how long is that truly going to last? Where's the money going to come from? So even if you have a pension, if that's your entire reliance, you're in trouble because those systems are broken.
0: Well, and we can certainly ask the folks in the airline industries or the steel industries or the automobile industries about pensions and, and uh, the, f- the fact that they're only as good as their ability to be funded, no question about it. So, so now the three-legged stool has been replaced. Um, in my mind, I can take the three-legged stool, draw a circle around it, put a line through it and say, to heck with that. The new, uh, the, the new retirement um, uh, diagram should be a yo-yo. The yo-yo is you're on your own. And so the, relying on Social Security in any way or relying on a pension in any way to me is fraught with challenges. And ideally, there will be some income there. But ultimately, you've got to find a way to create passive and recurring income that you can't outlive because that's the other issue, Damien. Is people could live to be 107.
2: Well, and, and what's, what's interesting, I have friends that are in their 60s now, and I knew them when they were in their early 40s. There's lots of energy and you get to a point where energy does shift oftentimes. And so just thinking, I'm going to work hard, and that's going to be my answer, that's a very, very dangerous move because there comes a point where you're, either you're tired or you're sick or something. You have to understand and learn how to build assets that work for you and work hard for you 24 hours a day so that when you're sleeping, you're still having cash flow produced. People don't understand that. It, it's, it, oftentimes, it's, it's too late by the time they realize it's important they don't have the energy. So if you've got energy, if you're listening to this right now, it means you've got some initiative and some desire and some hunger and some, some energy to go make this happen. We have to do this. There is, if we don't, we're literally setting ourselves up for a massive disaster. And, and so I, I, I think this is, this applies to everybody. There isn't a person that's listening that this does not apply to, that this isn't valuable for. And re- rethinking the idea of what am I going to use as a resource down the road? And obliterating—I like it just to obliterate the three-legged stool. And it is up to you. I mean, you—you you have to be totally self-responsible in this space because nobody's going to do it for you anymore.
0: Well, when, when I when I get older, I would like the energy of Mick Jagger. Do we have any idea how he does that?
2: I—I I, I don't know. I don't even know how if that guy's human at this point because he's been doing <laughs> this thing. He seems like he has more energy now in his seventies than he did when he was in his twenties and thirties. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's awesome. It's a terrible model because if that's what you have to do, I mean, the guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars, but I mean, truly you want to set yourself up so that you're protected and you can do that. I mean, that's, that's truly an option. It's not some fantasy land. I mean, there's, I can take anybody with a second grade education and and make and create financial freedom in five years if they're willing to step up and do the work, not if they want it given to them, but if they take responsibility, it is a formula and it's an option for everybody.
0: So, so let, me, let me come back to your runway idea and this whole idea that your expenses, uh, less your passive income, um, create your burn rate and that burn rate um, divided into your total amount of assets is how long you can burn, right? Um, yeah. where, do you, where do you put inflation in that conversation? Because uh, monthly expenses tend not to be level um, fixed income is a problem because expenses aren't fixed. so how, how do you how do you uh, use inflation in your in your in your model? Do you have an expense um, uh, adjustment on a regular basis?
2: Yeah, and one of the great things about things assets that I, I tend to focus on, things like rental property, is be, they they naturally inflation correct. Most things, if you buy a rental house or you you have an apartment or something that's producing cash flow, as things get more expensive, so does the rent, which means your cash flow increases. So there's a natural correction if you have assets in place that aren't fixed. If you've got a fixed annuity, for example, that is an index, there's, there's not an index um, adjustment for inflation, you're kind of in trouble. But if you've got an asset that's naturally appreciating because of inflation, it's generally going to create an offset that's going to make sure that you don't get screwed over by the cost of things going up.
0: Got it. Now, now I have... Um uh, what will sound like a self-serving question, but, uh, but I'm going to throw it out to you anyway and give you free rein on it, which is um, where does the role of a financial advisor make sense and where does it not? Because clearly it is conceivable to do any of this yourself. You don't have to have yep. um, a navigator, an advisor, or any of those things. Are there situations where you think it's still valuable or is it really a do-it-yourself robust model for you?
2: That's a great question, and what I will say is that I would look at most of the financial industry and say it's, it's made up of, of con people and, and scoundrels, and then there are a group of people that are at a higher level, like you as a CFP, where there's more of an advisory role, there's more of a, um, a broad outlook, and you need people that have broad intelligence for markets and can actually ask the right questions. What we don't need is more of people that are saying, hey, here's the new financial product, just buy this. Those are called salespeople, oh, and that doesn't oh, necessarily give you- more. I mean, this is, people are looking at their financial advisors as an advisor when totally what they're doing is they're trying to jam a certain type of financial instrument. So ask the question, does this person actually have my best interest or are they trying to figure out how to fund their kid's college? I mean, you have to ask what the alignment of interest is, if there is one, and whether it's an advisor or a salesperson. Most people in finance are salespeople, period, and they're really good at it. They're really nice people, but I wouldn't call them advisors. Everybody needs advisors because we can't see our own self and we can't know everything, so I think there's a role for everybody. I have financial advisors, and, and I'm pretty savvy, but I have people because I, there's no way I can know everything.
0: Well, and and you know, you said you were talking to your trainer at the gym. Um, I, I know you know how to work out, but yet you still have a trainer for accountability, so I, I assume that that's um, sort of a, a parallel idea?
2: It, it is. The accountability piece is, is one of the most powerful things in anything, whether it's the gym is a great example, and then when we're talking about finance, Having somebody looking at your numbers. I mean, what, what's interesting when I look at people's stuff, when I'm talking with people about doing money, mentoring and things, I'll look at their numbers because the numbers tell a story and people don't like looking at the numbers until they're ready to actually face the truth and make a change because the numbers tell the story of their habits, their behaviors, and their belief systems, and you can't get away from it because they're right in front of you. So we, the accountability is asking questions. What is this and why are you doing it? And, and if we don't have somebody doing that, we're not going to do it ourselves. Because we don't want to look in the mirror and go, boy, I'm a dum-dum. So we need somebody to help us be a dum-dum and then course correct because we can fix anything if we're aware of it. But we've got to tell the truth.
0: You know, in, whether it's finance or exercise or nutrition or any of these kinds of things, I think people instinctively know the right things to do or at least know when they're doing something that's not good for them. But there's an incredible uh, an incredible denial that comes with that. and and I, I, I'm throwing stones from my glass house, which I have to be careful doing because I know how to work out also, and don't do it nearly enough. So at the end of the day, I certainly can appreciate that. so let's let's uh, let's fast forward here a little bit. you You mentioned um, that a lot of financial folks are really not advisors but are salespeople, and I, I totally agree with you. Are you following? The fiduciary rule uh, debates in the SEC and the Department of Labor and, and so forth. Are you aware of sort of the the legislative hot potato this is creating?
2: I, I'm, I'm aware of the general strokes of this, and and so they, I mean, you, you're I believe you're way more aware and, and into the, the, the details on this stuff. But I, I do know there's a lot of what I see is any legislation is generally going to be pushed in most part by a system trying to protect and put barriers around itself. And at the same time, you also have political activists that will oftentimes try to shift things. So I I know that there's been stuff with with fiduciary rules and things. Um, I think it's going to have a huge impact and I just don't know how it's going to land.
0: Well, I'm with you. I hope it will have a large impact and I hope it will have a, um, a positive impact on helping consumers delineate between someone who is advising them with their best interest in mind and someone who's just saying, "Here's a here's a, a drill so you can make holes." You know, here's something to sell. Um, so let let's let's circle back because we're we're running out of time, which is unbelievable. Um, and and I want to make sure two things happen. One, I really want to hear your extra credit assignment. You know that part of coming on this show is giving folks that one takeaway, that one thing. Um, that folks can do listening to this to to move the needle and get closer to graduating into retirement. What would your one extra credit assignment be for our listeners?
2: I'll make it simple. You mentioned it at the beginning, the whole runway idea. I think clarity is power. And so if you understand the actual numbers of your life, the one thing you can do that'll take you about 10 minutes, watch the video that I did on my site. It's the first video and then figure out what your runway is. It's the first chapter in my book I wrote years ago about just getting clarity on your numbers. If you'll figure out your runway, you can actually do something. If you don't know what your runway is, you're chasing shadows and you don't really know where to go because you don't know what's really in front of you. So I would say just start with your runway. Once you get that, you've got something that you've got a baseline and then you can map out your course of where you're going.
0: I think that's an excellent, excellent extra credit assignment and something everyone should absolutely do. Um, share, your, share your contact info with everybody. We'll put it in our show notes, but how can people reach you? How can people find that, that runway video and so forth?
2: Best way to go is go to damianlupo. com. You'll have the video there. You can you can download some workbooks that I've created that will ask you questions because you made a comment earlier and I think it's key it needs to be said that you have the answers inside you. If somebody's willing to help you figure out the right questions, I don't believe that I have the answers for somebody. I believe I have some great questions, just like you do in your advisory role. And if we if we look out and at and find people to help us with the questions, we can tap into all sorts of amazing resources inside. And that's what you're going to find a lot of great
0: questions on that site. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. You've been a a terrific guest. You've given some great insight and advice. And and I I love that we have so much in common in terms of our, our loathing of the term retirement and what that conjures up. So thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you very much for the opportunity.
1: From this day forward,
0: let us make each decision
1: with our best interests in mind. Let us begin visualizing our dreams and reaching our goals. It's time to take the next steps in our life journey and build our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website, don'tretiregraduate.com to download episodes and connect with us on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit